everyone. Welcome back to Stars Like Us. I'm your host, Aliza Kelly, and I am so excited to introduce you guys to my friend, who I've known for a really long time in this crazy, cyclical, astrological world, <laughs> Ashley Otero, a Libra rising, an Aquarius sun. It also is Aquarius season at the time of this recording, which feels extra aligned, and a Pisces moon, fellow Pisces moon. Ashley is an astrologer, a licensed acupuncturist, a mother, a healer, and a Florida resident, which I feel like is also an important part of how I know you because when we first connected a whole Saturn square ago, I was on maybe going to move to Miami. And that was one of, that was one of the first ways that we became introduced. Um, a really, really long time, many, many moons ago. So I'm so happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being here, Ashley. Thank you for inviting me to speak on your show and to speak with you. It's nice to be here. So tell me, what is the temperature in Florida today? It's actually really nice out today. Um, this is kind of, it's like in the 70s, I think right now. Um, so it's not like sweltering. It's kind of breezy. But like basically more or less perfect. It is currently yeah. three degrees where I am in New York. <laughs> So <laughs> Ouch. I, I don't know if me hearing that it's like in the seventies in Florida makes me feel better. Cause I can maybe try to embody what it feels like to be in nice weather or worse. And it brings out the freezing frigid cold more, but I did it to myself regardless. So Ashley, for those who are not familiar with you and your practice, would you mind introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about who you are, how you became who you are and your journey? Uh, I'll try not to go on too long of a tangent. Oh, you um, tangent. <laughs> <laughs> I being a Pisces moon, I tend to circle a lot and do a lot of windy stuff with my <laughs> talking, especially if I have to talk about myself. Um, being an Aquarius sun, sometimes that makes me uncomfortable. You can speak purely in mythology if you would like, because sometimes that, <laughs> as a fellow Pisces moon, sometimes I find myself doing that <laughs> once Thanks. upon a time, millions of years ago. <laughs> I guess I'll, I could start with how I came into astrology, uh, since that's how we met. That's our first connection. I was first introduced to astrology when I was around eight years old. And that's like, I guess, eight. It was between seven and nine, but I'm guessing like eight. Uh, I found one of my mom's books, of course. Uh, she had, uh, I think it's this. It was either the second edition or it was the first edition, but it was the the year after it came out of um, the only astrology book you'll ever need. I think that's what it was called by Joanne, or, or um, I believe it's Joanne Woolfolk. And I remember going through it when I was like in first or second grade, I think, and. Um, I didn't really understand what a lot of it meant. I didn't understand what it meant to be an Aquarius, even though I read it. The 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 keywords that I took from reading Aquarius was like, oh, you're friendly and you should stick to kind of like one thing because it's a fixed sign. And I remember reading about Pisces, um, not knowing my birth chart. And this, you know, at this point, I didn't know that I had a birth chart. So I didn't learn about that until many years later. I was in my early 20s. Um, but I remember like even talking about astrology to my friends in school. And I had a, a, I had some friends in my class, I think I was in third grade, um, who were Pisces twins. And I remember talking to them about 
being Pisces and trying to tell them what it meant to be Pisces <laughs> twins and how we were different, not knowing that I had Moon and Venus and Pisces, you know, at the time, I didn't know that. So I, I didn't really do anything with astrology, I didn't practice it or anything like that. Of course, I didn't learn in depth. Uh, I just was always fascinated with it, like to read my horoscope. So like, I guess a lot of people assume because so many people in the United States have a um, a religious background of being Christian or something similar or, or Catholic. So um, that's not my religious background. Uh, I was actually raised until I was like a teenager and then I just kind of drifted apart from it. Um, but I was raised being a Wiccan. So my mom was Wiccan. That was my introductory. And that was my introduction into like witchcraft. I didn't know about older tradition traditions or anything like that. She would take me to her friend's house. And we w- I remember doing like circles outside during like, you know, full and new moons and during specific rituals that were important, you know. So I remember like the three of us doing and it. And I think about it now and it's just so funny. It's like, mother maiden crone kind of situation because her friend was an older lady um and it was very much like that dynamic of the three of us doing these things and I had no idea what was going on I had no idea what I was doing except you know my mom would explain things to me but I didn't really grasp it being a Pisces moon being embodied and being like present and really understanding what's going on at a certain time usually it doesn't catch up to me until much later. It takes me a long time to process those things, especially when I was younger. I wasn't discerning and I wasn't very grounded. And I probably would say I'm not super grounded still. So it's um, no surprise now that I'm kind of on the path that I am on now. What was it like to be raised in that tradition? I mean, it's so interesting because obviously there, you know, I feel like in the 90s, there was such a Wicca witchcraft, like, I mean, I, that's my favorite aesthetic, my favorite aesthetic ever, maybe because it's the coziest and homiest to me is like nineties witchcraft aesthetic. And I, it's like a lot of deities. It's a lot of like velvet. It's kind of, there's also like definitely a little bit of clutter going on in my image of what nineties like witchcraft looks like. But it was, I had like a, an older cousin who was, let's see, she turned 13 when I was six. So she was whatever that is, seven years older than me, I think. And more, I don't know. I can't do the math right now. And she was like, so cool. And so like Wicca-y and gothy. And she would wear like leather chokers. And she just had this like, I don't know, this like aura about her that felt so magical. And so also like, don't fuck with me. You know, there was also something really intimidating about it. Um, but you know, she, that wasn't those, she wasn't my parents. What was it like to grow up with a parent who was practicing that and to be sort of, you know, to have that be sort of ritualized as it related to your life and your sort of day-to-day experience? Well, I'll start off by saying that my mom's a Scorpio. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, it just was the way it was. It was just kind of natural. Um, it, but that was at home. So there did come a point, um, like, and as I started entering my teenage years where, um, because at this time I lived, I was born in Florida. I was born in Miami, but at this time I was living in the Midwest. Um, my parents were no longer together. So I was, it was just my mom 
and her, my stepdad, um, her former husband. So in the beginning, it was very normal, I guess. It was just, that's all I kind of really knew. Um, aside from like, I guess there being this kind of split between, you know, the friends that I would hang out with when I would hang out with them. I was like, oh, well, we go to church on Sundays. Do you want to come? And I would go to them, go with them to church, but it was always really boring to me. And I just didn't like really get it because I didn't grow up like reading the Bible and hearing those stories. So it didn't, you know, I didn't relate, but I just was there to like go and, you know, be there with my friends. But at home, it was pretty natural to just be kind of like this being the way of life. Uh, my mom did. I remember when I, I can't remember what age she gave it to me, but it was probably when it was first released. Um, the Teen Witch book that's like famous by um, Silver Raven Wolf. Yeah, famous for like then a whole generation of astrologers and magic practitioners coming to be. <laughs> I remember being gifted that book and just thinking it was so cool and like going through the spells and like trying to practice them. Um, feeling a lot of the times it didn't work (laughs) for me. Um, and I think that was just because I was so, I was so kind of obsessed with just wanting to like have a boyfriend. (laughs) 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 I mean, Libra rising, you know, and then Venus and Pisces. So I was just like, always like thinking about like love spells that I can do and how can I get a boyfriend? And I just wanted to have a boyfriend. And so I would do, I remember the, one of the spells was like, um, placing a piece of paper under the, under the phone and like seeing trying to get the person to call you it was normal and my mom taught me meditation that was like my first introduction into meditation and she would teach me through kind of like the associations of the colors of the chakras my understanding of like what was heaven and like you know the realms of like heaven and hell my mom was would always teach me like oh well, hell doesn't really exist, but you know, like if there were one, we would probably already be in it. um, (laughs) She's the Scorpio sun. (laughs) Let me remind you. So, um, and heaven was, you know, Summerland, and, and we talked about that a lot. You know, and as a kid, I guess that was a sort of source of comfort. Mm. Um, you know, especially because like we had a lot of pets and when you have pets, then you have to kind of be okay with them passing and dying and, you know, being okay kind of accepting that at some point and so we had conversations about that a lot then when I entered into my teenage years um, it became a little bit stickier you know having to kind of like hide that side of myself um, from friends or from people in school so like if I wore my necklace or like you know like pentagram or whatever if I wore that to school which I did I wore it all the time I'd have to put it under my shirt and kind of like hide it and hope that it didn't come out um, during certain classes, um, which at one point I remember it coming out and sometimes people would like ask about it. And so it was always like, oh, because my mom told me, you know, it's like, don't tell people what that is. Don't let them see it. Because at the time we lived in the Bible belt, we lived in the Midwest. So it's like, if you start talking about that, it's going to scare people off and cause trouble. Classic Pisces moon shit being asked to keep secrets. Right. That is like, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that hits home. Yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty good secret keeper, too. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know. It was always pretty natural to me, but maybe that's just because I've also been as a Pisces moon. I've always been sort of 
like a scaredy cat and really shy and timid. So I, I'm not one to like, just go out and start talking to people. So I wouldn't really know. I wouldn't really have a lot of context until being exposed to more people and like making more friendships or talking to more people socially to know like what is like normal and what's not normal. You know what I mean? So when you, um, what, how did it come to be that you stopped practicing Wicca if you did stop practicing, which I think you kind of alluded to? Yeah. So, um, I kind of just drifted off from it as I got older into my teenage years. And that was because, um, you know, like I, I, I didn't have, and still don't have the greatest relationship with my mom, like a lot of mother, daughter, especially teenage mother, daughter, um, dynamics. I just started to like hang out with my friends more and that entails just kind of like disappearing, not being at home, doing things I shouldn't be doing, you know? So I just kind of drifted away from that. And I think also probably because my mom also drifted away from it after she divorced her first husband, which wasn't my dad. Um, she remarried and that kind of had a lot of her attention. So I think in a way that, she sort of drifted off from that. And I don't know if it has to do with maybe just kind of wanting to like not scare him. I don't really know. We have talked about it once when I asked her, but she just said that she wasn't really in a good enough place and she had a lot of work to do on herself that she shouldn't have been really um, doing or messing with magic. And I believe that I can see that. And I guess she's kind of still in that place. So mm. So for you, it was more of like, you know, it was just kind of the process of you becoming your own person and finding your independence. And then she also wasn't like trying to continue to integrate that into your life. So the combination of those was like stepping away. But then you ended up kind of, I guess, in a way, not coming back to necessarily Wicca, but reintegrating so, like so much cosmic, magical I don't know, otherworldly Pisces, Moonian <laughs> concepts into your life. So how did it kind how did it, the pendulum swing backwards? In my late teenage years, I finally got that boyfriend that I wanted so badly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was, that was my first serious and solid relationship. Uh, that was like around 16. So a lot happened during that period that I was with that person. That was six years of my life. And wow. at that time, so I was also into martial arts when I was younger. Um, my mom's first husband introduced me to martial arts a bit, but I didn't have any kind of formal practice, nothing like that. Uh, he was an, a military person. So um, when I finally got this boyfriend in my uh, later teens, um, I martial arts came back into my life because he was a very serious martial artist. And then I became one too. So I practiced uh, Thai boxing, also known as Muay Thai, um, for a few years. I I went up until the point when I was supposed to uh, take a, an apprenticeship apprenticeship instructor exam, uh, and then I got really sick because uh, I was just pushing myself really hard, and I was having a lot of health issues, a lot of it digestive. Um, and then at one point, I tore a ligament in my knee. And then I couldn't really do anything for a year because it took that long for me to be able to get the surgery. Wow. Yeah. So I was like walking around with my knee, like constantly clicking and it was, it was really bad. Um, I continued to practice after I got my surgery 
And it was through the people that I met at the academy, including um, my main teacher, my Sifu, because the academy wasn't just a Thai boxing academy. It was a Jeet Kune Do academy. And Jeet Kune Do is the martial art that Bruce Lee kind of created or, you know, he's kind of the original inventor of mixed martial arts in a sense. I think a lot of people would say that. Uh, it was through him and through the other influences through the academy that I kind of got more and more into the Wu sphere. So, you know, reading like Tao Jeet Kune Do, um, reading, I don't remember who it was. I think it was my Sifu that um, introduced me to Barbara Hanklau's, um Bringers of Light which is a book on the Pleiades and Pleiadians. That was one of the major influences that kind of led me down this path of increasing, like getting back into the spectrum of like, woo, slowly <laughs> more and more. Um, so in college, I, you know, I studied marketing and I studied marketing and business, not because I was, I was attracted to that. I really am like the worst when it comes to those kinds of things. Um, but my boyfriend at the time, was really into business. And our plan was that to one day open up an academy slash dance studio because dance has always been one of my greatest loves of all time. And um, so that was kind of the plan. And then towards the end of my uh, undergraduate studies, I was getting increasingly more into things that had to do with subtle, subtle energy, the subtle body healing um, so that's when I started finding books, um, when I was kind of like not feeling well and just like really bored of all the like statistics and the business law classes and stuff like that. I was kind of like, you know, I, I don't want to say escaping, but just like trying to self-discover more because I knew that there was something else that I, I just wasn't like happy with what I was doing and I was bored out of my mind. And I was just finding pieces of myself, like trying to find answers and understand the world for you know a very confused kind of Pisces moon. I think Uranus was probably really close to my moon around that time too, transiting wise. Um, so like I just was trying to kind of make sense out of things. And those were a couple of other books that really like led me into just contemplating more and more about healing um, and energetic healing. And then one day I came across. Um, I, a book called The Web That Has No Weaver, which is about acupuncture and Chinese medicine. And uh, I started really just being fascinated by it because there was this um, material aspect to it that is, it wasn't just energetic, but I could like see it by looking at, you know, points on the body and learning that there's like all these connections. And I found that really fascinating. And the more and more that I was like reading about this and learning about it, I started like flirting with the idea of like, maybe I could like study this or something. But I was kind of like in denial. I was like, well, let, let me just see like, what kind of schools are there around me that like, is there other programs or other things that I can learn about this more? And then there actually happens to be a school um, for acupuncture and Chinese medicine in Miami. Um, and in the in my last months of my undergrad, I uh, found myself getting ready and trying to enroll in another program so that I would go and study Chinese medicine. Um, in that first month of studying Chinese medicine, so like literally like a, a couple months after I graduated from business school, I went and I started the program, which was a three-year program. Um, and the first month, um, my very first teacher in the course was talking about astrology. 
and I was just like my eyes were just like sparkling like oh my god this is amazing like we have a birth chart and this is I need to like know more about this and so it was that time that I started um, when I started studying Chinese medicine that I started studying astrology um, and it kind of just goes from there you know like the the whole magic of which I think, you know, in astrology is, is very magical, like, as you know, there's, it's very magical, um, but um, more like traditional things and things that have to do with witchcraft and stuff that did make it, it did, I did circle back around and it did come back into my life, of course, sort of inevitable in a sense. I mean, it doesn't have to be because there are a lot of different paths and a lot of different people that practice astrology, right? Um, you could be Christian or you could, you know, be atheist or agnostic or, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to necessarily be of a certain path or philosophy or religion, but you usually are of some sort. Um, so yeah, I did end up eventually circling back and finding my way there and just kind of being surprised by it. So as you are now a mother of a Virgo baby and a Leo baby, right? Yeah. Um, and thinking about your, the way that your mom, you know, with all of the Pisces moon indications of it being a complicated dynamic, because I find that I've never met another Pisces moon that doesn't have a complicated dynamic with their mom in some capacity. How do you imagine integrating your practices and your magic and your astrology and, and sort of understanding of the world, not Wicca, but also alternative, um, ways of life as a mother with your children it's very gradual uh just because there's so little right now that there's little that they understand my son is understanding a lot more now that he's three so you know like we have some moments where i will open up conversation but a lot of it it still kind of goes over his head so it's just like circling around and it just turns into some kind of silly rant ranting from him because he doesn't (laughs) really know what I'm talking about but for instance like it it is a conversation that I've had with my partner uh about like how I we want to raise them um because my partner you know traditionally like his background is Christianity uh so like that that's where he comes from and when we first started dating like it was kind of a thing like we would clash and headbutt a lot about our um, differences in opinions or uh, just like perspectives on things. Um, And, you know, now there's a lot more flow between us. We've been together for a long time. So there's a lot more flow and understanding of each other's perspectives and even like kind of adopting different things between each other. But I, I I can't really answer that fully yet because it's it's still unfolding. So I'm not really sure. But uh, I it is you know like I was saying like my partner and I have discussed and it is important to me to like be able to share that aspect of um, where I'm coming from with them. But in the end, it really has to be like we both have said like our children kind of have to choose like what perspective and path they want to take including like the spiritual life if they even want to take it at all which you know of course uh, I hope they do but um, it's always there for them to explore and like as they get older I think they'll be able to appreciate that more so like the day of the dead for example 
I had a, an altar this year for um, my uh, dog that passed away last year, um, 2019. Um, so I had a little, like a small altar for him and um, like said some prayers um, at the end of the night. And um, my son was there with me and he's like watching me. And then like, I wasn't sure if he knew what was going on because I had like a little picture of our dog, but the picture I had of, was of him when he was a puppy, you know, his name was Gordy. I'm like, so do you remember Gordy? And, and he said, yes. And then, so like to this day, he still asks me a lot of times, like, do you remember Gordy? Oh my gosh. That's like, so he'll cute. Be like, he'll be like, yeah. Cause you know, I told him like Gordy was like our family member. Like we love him very much. Uh, he's not here anymore, but Gordy's still part of our family. And you know, Gordy's always with us and, you know, just talking to him like that and trying, you know, in, in a way that maybe he can understand. And so to this day, he still like brings it up and That's he'll so like, he'll take, take the picture and he'll be like, we love Gordy very much. And Oh my God. <laughs> a Virgo angel, actually. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> He's truly. Um, and of course I, I project a lot, like looking at their charts, like I project a lot of like, what I could see. And a lot of it is just me. But then I imagine like a lot of what how things will develop as they get older. And like, you know, him being a Virgo, like I could see him kind of having, in a sense, in a sort like of way that and I don't know if this is just a kid thing, or if this is just a Virgo Pisces axis dynamic thing of like having a very animistic perspective of life. Um, I did when I was a kid, like, I, you know, had this everything like had it it was like a person everything had its own life everything was animated in a sense you know to me the animals the rocks the you know the trees all of but that But that like is right I mean right. I, maybe I'm just having a Pisces moon moment because I wouldn't ever even think that there could be another alternative like of course nature is sentient yes obviously yes. I think it's just um living in a society and, a, and much largely like a world that is very like materialistic and very um you know into the like scientism and materialism of thinking like that no they don't like you're crazy for saying that you know it, it, it's um you know I think we can kind of like take it for granted like in our I don't want to say community but like people that have um backgrounds in astrology or different things or like we have you know, very similar interests and perspectives on life on a lot of things. So to us, you know, it's easy to take that for granted, but there's so many people that it's like, no, it's just a thing. And we're just spinning on this rock. And it's just a very, very lucky coincidence. And there's no meaning to any of it, you know, but I definitely see that with, with him, you know, like, you know, he'll cost like just today, he'll be like, oh, um, high tree or something you know like hi and oh it's so nice outside and it feels so good and stop rubbing in my cute. face how beautiful <laughs> it is in Florida right now I can't believe you circled back to that <laughs> you know one of the reasons I'm so interested in understanding how you approach these topics with your children is because I have a cancer Jupiter in the sixth house and I am obsessed with being a mom, even though I'm not a mom yet, which is a little freaky. I love children. I love interacting with kids. I think that they're so amazing. I can't wait to be a mom. I'm obsessed with being a dog mom for the time being. I've always been obsessed with kids for real. Like as a kid, my first word was baby because I just loved other <laughs> And I think 
that it's almost like in a way my reaction to wanting to even as a kid like knowing that I didn't have a lot of that my, the parents that I had were kind of <laughs> like not doing the best job and kind of knowing and my capricorn rising was like self-parenting from such a young age that wanting to then be a caregiver you know wanting to like take care of other small creatures, including babies and animals and nature, like was sort of the natural extension of like, okay, I'm taking care of myself. I want to like share this care. But now that I'm getting older and I'm getting, you know, I have a fiance and like my life is being more structured to being capable of having children where I feel like I would be able to actually show up as a good mom. I'm starting to have these sort of questions is like, how can I, with the practice that I have, which I've learned how to manage in my day-to-day experiences where I'm not constantly like transit tripping, but obviously I have the inclination to do that. Like, how could I, one, you know, make sure that I'm not projecting on my kids all the astrology, two, that I'm not like overimposing that on them and still allowing them to have their own philosophies and their own experiences. And then three, like that I'm not you know, that I'm not looking at their charts and being like, Oh my God, they have a Uranus transit coming up. Like, what am I going to do? Because that, you know, is, I couldn't, I can't even imagine the anxiety of it. I feel like I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah. The struggle's real. The struggle's (laughs) real. I I mean, I can't lie. Um, I've dealt with some serious anxiety around it. However, um, I, I always circle back to remembering that um like repair is always possible it's never too late for repair and i think that's a really really important and big thing to remember for parents in general but also parents that are astrologers that might get sucked into that fear based transit tripping thing like or oh my god like well you know they're going to have this pluto and uranus transit then or this mars transit then and this year and like you know how badly am i going to fuck up and how am i going to fuck up like what is it that i'm going to do even though i'm trying to be conscious about it and trying to do everything to like not like traumatize my child in some way yeah <laughs> but it really like you have to live knowing that like i mean trauma is you know it's a part of life but it doesn't like it doesn't have to be our whole lives and repair is always possible it's never too late if you're willing to do that when things happen because in, in, inevitably some things will happen that's just part of life and part of life is you know being able to relate to one another um whether it's you know through a parent child relationship or romantic relationship or other other ways you know and just being able to like show up to that and be true and like being able to be honest with yourself like when you make mistakes and also being able to to show that like to your kids because I think for a lot of parents the fear is like well am I gonna be the one that like fucks it up and then like what then like are they gonna hate me forever you know like am I gonna be like my parents am I gonna make the same mistakes and repeat those cycles And, you know, like, it's something that I've thought about a lot, like, um, like the mother and father wounds. And like, am I just going to repeat history? Am I going to pass that on? Am I, you know, and in some sense, there is only to a degree, you can't like necessarily stop yourself 
from maybe passing on certain things because that's at least from like um, from my perspective as a, a practitioner of Chinese medicine as an acupuncturist um, we pass on you know the things that are already with like part of us so like um, our spirits our genetics I guess in modern terms that's like I guess the Western way of putting it that we could like understand is like, you know, like epigenetic epigenetics show that like trauma even gets passed down from many, you know, generations. Like even if you're not conscious about that, it just happens. And things that, you know, your kids might've never known about, or maybe they did witness and not realize that it wasn't about them. So like, sometimes if we're fortunate enough to be able to realize like maybe they're they're dealing with something that's really hard as they get older and you see them like really upset about something or just like dealing with something that maybe was had something more to do with you like as a parent and realize that like letting them know like well I want you to know that like this thing um like maybe you saw mama like talking about this or saying this or stressing out about this but that was that was about me that was something that happened to me and that was about me that had nothing to do with you so I just want you to know like it's okay to like you know like you can let go of that or or whatever I mean that's like a really weak like explanation of that (laughs) but most parents I would say you know like you just love so strongly that you love them more than anything and you never want to hurt them you know because they're so innocent and beautiful and you know it's just like it's the world and um you don't want to mess that up but you know that, you know, as time goes on, you probably will mess up and just being humble and honest about when you do like realizing it, um, being able to show up with that with truth and like saying, you know, oh, I messed up or maybe I shouldn't have said this or I shouldn't have done that. I'm really sorry. Like I'm going to try to do better or I'm going to, you know, um, try to do this in a different way. For example, you know, I think that's a very realistic way of looking at it because if you're just always trying to avoid life that's what it is like when we're looking at transits and we're looking at things happening it's like that's life like we that's the thing about astrology like even when we speak to clients it's like there's an approach of like the new agey sort of approach of like well you know everything is going great and oh you're gonna have a saturn transit soon but it just means like you're just growing up and it's going to be really great but it's like and then trying to like gloss over all the actual real shit that goes on for people during Saturn transits or whatever transit it might be you know uh instead of like being real with them and like letting them know like well there's this and there's also this it's a little bit of this and it's a little bit of this or it might be like this what's your experience of it you know just kind of remembering that you can't avoid life if you're if you're doing that you're kind of just like, what's the point of anything, you know, like being able to show your children how you navigate all of that stuff, the good and the hard stuff is, is one of the, if I could say gifts of it, because that's how we pass down wisdom, right? It's like showing up, how do we show up, not just for like, oh, the good stuff's easy, but like, how do we show up and all this other stuff? I think that that's like a really good frame of reference, which is really like one day at a time. And like that, when I find myself looking at the chart and like, you know, I'm also in, I'm particularly sensitive right now because I'm finally going to have like the last of this Uranus on my IC um, upcoming really soon. It's been, you know, we've had the forward and then backwards and now it's forwards again. And 
I had been dreading this for a really long time in the same way that like, I couldn't imagine living past 18. So there was like this dread of turning 18 where I was like, no, I'm, this is going to be the final year, you know? And like, I have now proved to myself that it wasn't, it wasn't even slightly right. You know, I'm, I'm very not 18 or near 18 anymore. And the, the same with this, it's like Uranus on the IC is like freaking me the fuck out. But it's like, I can, I'm going to be able to get through this, whatever it is, or I'm going to die. And like, that's also a possibility, but like each day at the t- of a time is, you know, that is an opportunity to find a lot of gratitude and to be present instead of looking to the future and pulling out the ephemeris and trying to figure out when things are going to be exact. It's, you know, I think that that is what can get people tripped up with astrology. It's what I can get tripped up with astrology. And it's a practice in not freaking yourself out all the time. But it doesn't even have to be astrology. That's just the vessel for it. Yeah, uh, for sure. Like, uh, it's something that I've like, I've struggled with for a long time, even before I became a mom, just because it's like when I would speak to clients, a lot of times I'd be like, okay, well, I'm really good at like pinpointing the possibilities, the probabilities, the manifestations. But it's like, of course, when all the, the tough transits come up and they're wanting to talk about certain things and you can't ignore it because it's like one of the biggest things happening for their transits and they're talking about it. It's like, well, I have to be honest with you. Like this is um, what this often can mean. But then it's like, of course, us projecting our own experiences of that and our limited knowledge of it. But then like also like for, I think a lot of astrologers or just people in general, like it finding it easier to look for for lack of a better word, look for the flaws, look for the, the, like the <laughs> possible doomy things that could happen. It's just, just, just like a, it's a human instinct of like looking for danger. Like there's, there must be danger somewhere. Like, well, let's look for where it can be so that we can protect ourselves ahead of time. Like, but then like, we don't really know how we're going to protect ourselves. We're like, but what if, what if, what if, what if, <laughs> um, and then it just becomes this kind of form of like obsession and yeah, sort like of neurotic like self-harm yeah. yeah it's one of the reasons why I'm very hesitant about like speaking to to parents if they want to speak to me about a, a kid's birth chart or a baby's birth chart which I don't get a ton of requests for but I do from time to time and it has to be like someone that I know for me to be able to speak with them and and not just know but like know that you know, we can just speak about a few things, but not go deeply into it. Because then again, like, I don't want to like feed into like any fears, any natural fears that a parent might have, you know, any instinctual things like, well, what does this mean? So it's like, well, we could talk about like communication, uh, like looking at like how they might communicate and their learning style. And, you know, like what makes them comfortable? Those are important things, you know, so that a a child feels safe and that you feel like you can connect with them. And the rest is like, let yourself learn just by being there, you know? Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's, I really, when I read babies' birth charts for their parents, I'm make a really big point to say like, here are 15 of the millions of ways that this could play out, you know, like it's truly infinite what this looks like. It's outside of even the scope of what I could fathom. 
you know, to have these types of transits for them to appear in this way for this, for this chart to have this configuration could look like they are a, you know, super genius computer whiz innovator. It could also look like they are deep sea diving, talking to animals. It could also look like they are a amazing baker, you know, like I, it's like, there are so many different ways that this could show up. So in the process of this, it's like, let's focus on the moon. Let's focus on, as you said, communication, and let's figure out how to create an environment that this baby is going to be able to blossom and grow uh, to reach whatever the extent of their potential is, but not to define what that potential is. Yeah, I think that's, that's important. And I think that's also hard for, um, I think that's hard for probably a lot of parents because they're, you know, like, it's so common, at least in our society, it was like, as soon as babies are born, you have like parents and grandparents and family members from the start, we already start like, kind of putting those ideas and projections of like, well, you're going to be this because you're this. And it's like, well, why don't we just not have the like, not do that and like, let let them kind of come to it naturally instead of like, because I mean, for some kids, it, they it might just roll off their back and go in one ear and one out the other and they not think anything of it, you know, like, that's kind of like, probably how I was I didn't really <laughs> I, but I was just not a super grounded person so but for some kids they that are you know very discerning and very just kind of wise for their age might start to like take them and start to kind of create all these narratives and what if I don't do that does that mean I'm this and it be like be worried that they're not lovable in some way they're not good enough in some way because they didn't measure up to some ideal that some yes yeah, some random relative said as to like what their future should hold, which is really quite interesting to think about how much fortune telling goes into babies, regardless of any spiritual, magical, astrological practice, you know, like you will have relatives fortune telling all the live long day, regardless of whether there's anything to back it up. So it's actually in a way, ironically, like probably the closer you are to being able to have the skills and the tools to do that, the less likely you are to actually try to impose those things because you see that there is just countless different ways that something can manifest and something can mature, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think wise astrologers would know that like the possibilities are limitless, even though we might see like, well, there's probabilities based on what we see, what you might see the chart indicating, like they're suggesting like there's, probabilities of this but we know that there's a lot of limitlessness there I think because being a human being and interpreting a chart is like you have this limitlessness of what you could interpret as far as like you know we're we're reading symbols and that doesn't have a limit on how it can manifest really you know, I might like go into see a client and I prepare and look at their chart ahead of time. And I might think like if it's uh, we're talking about their career because they want to talk about career and I look at, you know, the transits and the perfections and things that are going to be important for that year. And I think and I start like thinking before I've gotten an idea of what they even do for a living, what their career is, I might like start thinking, well, based on this, I might think that, oh, wow, they have like a lot of Libra and a lot of Aquarius and they have like a lot of this in their chart so they're probably really smart and then I think smart well what kind of career is what I think based off of all this 
you know, symbolism, like if I put it together, what kind of careers might that look like? And then I start like saying, well, you might be this or this or this and like thinking and then be like completely off. Like, so what do you do for a living? I have to ask, you know, and then it's like, I do this and it's like way off. Like I'm a salesperson, but I sell this. So it's like, oh, okay. I see where that fits in now, but it was nothing like what I was imagining, you know? So like there's that limited perception that we have just as being human. Yeah. And I feel like that has really become sort of my, the motto recently, like in the now post 2020 world of, oh man, just all of the bullshit (laughs) and all of like the bullshit Instagram spiritual influencers being like, I received this download and it looks like this, like, this is how I interpret COVID isn't real, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, like that's your perception. That's literally just your fucking perception. And that's that. And like my interpretation is my perception and that's that, but we have to acknowledge the humanity of it all, you know? And like the humanity doesn't make it less magical. The humanity is part of the magic of it. It's part of the sentience. It's part of the animation of it. But it's, you know, no human who's looking, who's versed in astrology is looking at these things objectively. And that's fine. But it's just like, I'm so, I feel like 2020 just rang me out of like these astrologers and like, you know, astrology adjacent folk talking like they are receiving these, you know, pure, unbiased, um, interpretations of things when like, I'm looking at the same fucking transits, you know, like it's, it's fine to have, if you see these transits as saying that there's no pandemic and that Democrats are pedophiles and that that is what really is going on. Like that is what you're seeing, but that's not necessarily what's happening because everything is being skewed and sort of interpreted through our own eyes and what we know and what our language is. And I feel like, especially because, you know, we as a collective have gone through this like very unfamiliar, scary, a lot of death, a lot of really, you know, overstimulation in the news. Um, we're trying to find people to make sense of it. And it just makes me so nervous that there are these people who are acting as if they are not, um, you know, that, that they're neutral, you know what I mean? So it's almost like as a reaction to that. And of course I have like, my North node is an Aquarius, you know, like I, it's like, I have to rebel against something. And right now I have to rebel against this subset of our community that isn't integrate, that isn't being honest about what the process of looking at astrology is. It's driving me crazy. (laughs) Um, I like what you said about, you know, the humanity of like coming to astrology. I don't know. It's a cultural thing and it's a, it's an art and it's a very like human intellectually motivated thing to do to like sit down and, and look at an astrology or look at a chart and then interpret it and put some meaning to it. You know, like that's like, we're always trying to find meaning and, and, understand it and I, that's just very much the human experience right it's just trying to find meaning and purpose and standing up on a soapbox and then preaching as if it is the absolute truth that definitely is 
something that uh, it's something that gets under my skin too. Um, whether it be from a, a someone that's a proclaimed proclaimed astrologer, a spiritual person, a scientist, or anyone else, like just spouting something and and claiming that it's like absolute truth or completely objective. You, it's one of the ways to like really get under my skin. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't like um, blanket statements. I can't stand them, which is why I, I think I try to think very carefully about the words that I use, whether it's speaking or written when it's written, it's easier to communicate because I can um, distill my thoughts much more clearly and articulate it. But when I'm speaking, which is why I'm a bad speaker, it's because I'm always thinking about like what I want to say. And I want to be very uh, selective about how I say things and what I say, um, you know, I could say, well, it's because I'm a Pisces moon, but you don't have to be a fucking Pisces moon. So <laughs> you just have to be someone that's, you know, that's aware of like the human condition of like, we all have our own truths. We are all walking on a different path and we all have our different vantage points because we're, you know, standing on one spot and we can't see things always the way that other people see them. Of course, we do have like consensus reality and we do you know have that and I have my different thoughts and feelings about that too but some of the things like the harmful things or the thoughts that have kind of floated around and been said or just kind of gone viral or even been shared by people it is astounding to me sometimes I I I find myself like asking like what the fuck are people thinking or like how could people think these things but it is also just an example of of me being in that you know like that limited that limited perspective of just being human and and I I usually come back to it like seeing like well I can understand how someone comes to that conclusion but I don't think that it's right or I don't think that uh that's the truth you know like I feel like that has to be speaking of hating blanket statements that is like Libra rising perfection though, is being able to balance the different viewpoints and say like, let's keep balancing them. But as soon as somebody says, this is the absolute, this is what it is. It's like, well, you're not on the scale anymore. You have, you have gotten off the scale of balance because to be on the scale of balance means we have to be sort of measuring everything relative to each other as a possibility, you know? Yeah. Uh, relativity is a, that's a big one. That's a really important thing. Um, for example, uh, in classical Chinese medicine, like everything is about, um, relationship. It's about like how we relate to others and how we embody wellness. Um, health for us is about how we hold ourselves up and like, um, socially and, our way of conduct, like whether it be through family or through the larger society and how like our role in that, how we can um, be there for others and be there for ourselves is like that role. And it's a very simple one, but it is kind of like the foundation of like what it means to be well and to be healthy because it's about being a human being and all the things that come with that embodying your own experience um, rather than like looking at things through like a very anatomical just like well this is the organ and this is the limb and this is this limb and um this is what it means to you know be healthy um but like really it's like this relational aspect and that can go on so many levels and layers um that can sound very woo but is actually just 
kind of like when you think about your embodied experience, the reality of your embodied experience probably would resonate much more than just, well, here's a Greek statue of the body. And like, this is what it, you know, this is what healthy is supposed to look like. And if it doesn't look like that, well, then you're not a citizen and you're not well, you know, right, right. I think that relational aspect of like always thinking about other people um, is important. You know, it's really important as far as like how well we can actually be, you know, whether you like you're attached to that or not, if it's hurting someone, like, is that really okay? Mm -hmm. I feel that very deeply, which is like, if there are so many different options of truth and so many different options of being able to move through the world and live and sort of choose your adventure, then we must be actively and consciously choosing the roads and the paths and the decisions and the statements that are going to do the least harm possible um, to the you know most amount of people. We don't want to, you know, actually, and, and in, the quantity is not even really a variable because one is all. So the more that we could you know, always be checking in with ourselves to say, is the road that I'm taking um, the kind road, the compassionate road, the road that is going to make the world a more beautiful place? And if that is true and the other thing is true, why don't I choose the one that is true and going to cause the least harm? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that the whole, that the, the, classic debate of like one versus the many and and how like does this harm like should I switch the train to like only hit one person or should I kill everybody on the train kind of dilemma of like well it's gonna help more people so maybe just sacrifice that one person I think that dilemma is actually really kind of relevant to like this um, next couple of years and especially this next year of like having this pile up things of uh, the seasons of Aquarius you know like uh, Saturn Jupiter and Aquarius and now this pile up and I, I feel like those are very re relevant questions and yeah. kind of thoughts to be like sitting in now it's just like well and coming down to in my opinion stupid ass conversations about whether we should wear masks or not when we should just wear a fucking mask in right, public or something it's just not a big deal <laughs> yeah like silly things of like well you're not going to control my face and that's just devil worshiping <laughs> it's this crazy stuff it's just wild stupid shit that people say like you know one person can have a domino effect on everyone else it's like my partner um he sees patients he has geriatric patients um and he sees them you know through telehealth and he sees them in nursing homes. A lot of the nursing homes that he goes to, um, you know, through telehealth, like they've been shut down because of COVID because there's just, it's just like running through all the nursing homes. Like a lot, tons of his clinics have been canceled. And he can't go in because he can't have um, facilitators that go in to help him see the patients. He's not like, they're not granted access because they're having to quarantine because it's just like running through all these nursing homes. And it's like, they haven't gone anywhere. They haven't been able to have anyone come in and haven't been able to go anywhere. So it's not as simple as just like, well, tell the old people to stay home because they can't. Uh, I mean, I mean, even if they are, they're not going anywhere. Even if, even if they're secluded in nursing homes, we have people that work there that are younger that 
still might go out and do things, you know, like, yeah, um, I mean, it's also just so ageist and so like indicative of so many of the problems in society, which is value of person equals their productivity, you know? Yeah. Is it a person who is making money or is it a person who's not making money? And then that's where we see the value of a life, which is kind of cuts it short, you know, (laughs) like elderly people have the right to continue to live beautiful lives. They don't die (laughs) like unnecessarily because young people want to drink margaritas outside. It's just (sighs) absurd. Yeah. It's a huge disrespect too, and a a kind of show of, um, how little we value, uh, our elders and, um, our ancestors even, you know, like for someone to be able to live into a very old age is a gift. And for us to be able to have those people in our lives, even if, you know, generationally speaking, like we have a lot of very different views because, you know, that we see that often. Right. Um, but it's still a gift of being it because there are things that get passed down that we don't necessarily have the same access to once they are not in the physical embodiment. And once they're not, you know, in that earthly embodiment and they're not here with us, like then we lose, we lose something, you know? Uh, So it just shows kind of like how little a lot of our society values that, which is sad. I think, I think it's very sad. Well, on that super sad note, (laughs) where could we find you, Ashley, and continue to um, enjoy your mind? Because you have such a beautiful mind and soul, and it's always just such a pleasure to connect with you. Thanks. Um, Well, I'm not uh, super present on social media right now, but if you were to find me there, it would be mostly on Instagram at Ashley Otero Astro. So yeah, uh, otherwise, I'm kind of trying to shift more to like writing and being consistent about the writing that I'm sharing um, being from my website. So when I do post stuff there, I'll probably post it to Instagram, but kind of direct people to just finish whatever writing that I put on the website. Um, and there's a link in my link tree there, but my website is cosmicsoupbowl.com. Um, and that's where I blog and occasionally when I have the time. So that's where people can find me. Amazing. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, they can Ashley. find all the all the grumpy, sad stuff. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't help it, you know, I'm an Aquarius, so I'm super like uh I don't know, I would say I'm a realist, but I'm also just I am a pretty grumpy gal. I like to keep it real. And um <laughs> But I, I share some other stuff too. So anyway, thank you for having me. It's been great speaking with you, Alisa. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and you're the best.